Attacker and Lee Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Yo, Gibera. <laughs> like Yogi Berra? Yogi Berra. Who's Yogi? Why do I like, why do I know this name? Why do I not? Why can't I figure out who this is? It's like a wrestler name, but I don't. It's not a wrestler. Well, Yogi you, you know Yogi Bear. I know Yogi Bear, but Yogi Bear was like a person, wasn't it? I believe he was a baseball player. Yep, Yogi Bear was a baseball player. He, he was, was a, a catcher. catcher. New York Yankees, Yogi Berra, 19 seasons, uh, New York Yankees. One of the best catchers in the game. It's all ESPN thing. The Yankees ain't doing so well this season. I don't Yogi really keep up with baseball. Berra. Shout out Yogi Berra. <laughs> what up, Yogi Berra? 1965 game, New York. Great game. Just looking at Live from 1925 to 2015. Hey, that's a good life. That's a solid run. Five foot seven. People, I think, were like smaller back then. Like, I feel like it's only recently that like people are like super tall. You know, we just keep evolving. You know what I mean? Just keep growing. 100 years, we'll be eight footers. Golly. Be robots. You imagine like a heart having to pump blood up that high. Oh yeah, it'll grow too. And then that low. Like you gotta go from your feet all the way up to your head. You know, everything will evolve with it, you know. I hear people that are like that tall, like there's like 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 that's like a that's an issue. I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. You know. Kudos if uh if 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 people make that like people like but it's like you you're like that tall it's like what? man you play basketball it's like uh no i'm in the poetry club it's like oh always doing something kind of funny anyway on today's episode <laughs> if you didn't forget that we had already started i the almost podcast, forgot we had started and i was like all right let's start it was just a continuation of our conversation earlier yes these are the tangents that we go on anyway <laughs> On today's episode, we are going to be chatting about color Hulk. in mastering. mastering. If that is a route that you should maybe go first, or should you kind of go like a cleaner route? If like whether you go, I mean, I mean, if you're staying in the box, do whatever the heck you want. But I, I would say, as far as like gear and whatnot, um, could be an interesting conversation. Sam's got a fancy little rule of two, but first what he's got is a fancy big old coal shovel heaping of housekeeping. <laughs> Take <laughs> us away. Hey, my friends. Listener. Hi, hey. Somebody That's responded. Our one listener. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> Yogi so Berra. much. Yogi Berra <laughs> for tuning in to another episode of Tech Relief Show. A Ouija board over here. This is that special, special time where you get to do that special thing of going to like, share, subscribe. Really, though, the Instagram share is where it's at for us. Take a screenshot of this episode or one you've been listening to. Post it on Instagram. Tag Most Mastering. Tag For the Record Mastering. We will then awesome. reshare it. We've been doing it every week. Cross-marketing. It's expanding everybody's reach, which supposedly is a good thing. Keep reaching. Reach for the stars. And, uh, yeah, it helps the show get out, you know, to more people, which Matt and I like. Because then sure. the community expands. And there's so many cool people we've met through the show. 
So I'd like to keep making. I'd like to keep meeting. You can do it. <laughs> Thank you. Words are hard. I would like to keep meeting cool people. Say that five times fast. I would like to keep meeting cool people. Um, so please share the show. It would mean a lot to us. It helps us out a lot. And that is housekeeping. Matt. Nice. Yeah, pretty good. So Sam, if you were going out of the box today, you're wiping everything, like like your gear is gone. There is a tornado, which, which is like, that'd be kind of ominous. Twister like we got pretty F5. hefty rainstorm right now. Mm-hmm. And we're like really just kind of staring at hurricane season. I, I like hurricane season, but it kind of freaks me out. Uh-huh. Um, that's life, baby. We like it, life, but it man. freaks you out. So if you got wiped off the gear map and you had to start again, let's say that like your helo being the tank that it is, is also waterproof and oh, wow. windproof and fireproof. I'd pay extra for that. Act of God proof. Well, that's that USB connection you got <laughs> that's there. That's true. Um, what would be the first piece <laughs> of gear that you would get? Would you go colored or would you go clean? <laughs> would you like go in a completely weird or like some other kind of direction? What would you do, Samuel? What would you do if some of the home? I don't know what I would do. I'm gonna, I gotta think of my answer. That's I put kind of a good question. Um, I've just got my helo converter, which is extremely clean. Then I'm doing something. AD. Um, I mean, I think I would go with my... Well, D-A-A-D. The dad. The dad. The dad of converters. Yeah. Probably... Kind of like blocky, kind of chunky. <laughs> yes. The dad bot of converters. The dad bot of converters. A little blocky. A little blocky. I'm sorry. All right, go, all right, go ahead. <laughs> I would probably go with the Better Maker Mastering Limiter. Just because it has oh, yeah. a color section on it. Um, and that... So co- like what? Like inflation or like pento triode stuff? What? Uh, you basically... It's just harmonic distortion, but it's like solid state. It's not tube-based. Mm. But you basically get to pick an even and odd harmonic, <clears throat> and then you can pick the drive, the gain of it, and then the blend of it. And um, it just adds more. I mean, harmonic distortion, mm. color to me is more. So it's, you know, you've got one frequency and then you distort it. That to me is coloring. And then it, you know, if you see it, if you ever see it on like a frequency analysis, analyzer, man, that word in every episode. Analyzer. It's like in Modern Family when he trips on the stair every time. Gotta fix that stair. <laughs> Gotta fix that step. <laughs> I can't It's say really sad analyzer. that like they didn't really ever fix the step, but they just dropped it from the scripts. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I learned his middle name. It's Phil Humphrey Dumphrey. Oh my gosh, That's Dumphy. Great. Phil Humphrey Humphrey Dumphy. Um, but yeah, I would probably pick that. <laughs> it creates more, which creates more sound, which creates density, which creates loudness. Um, and that's probably where I would start. I would go for something coloring for sure. And by coloring, I really mean saturation or harmonics um, because that to me is what color is and I find that color a lot of the times is what people want at the mastering stage is they don't they're coming to you to make it sound bigger, fatter, fuller, louder 
And in order to usually do that, you need to add things, which is why I'm a booster and not a cutter. Um, people want more at mastering usually, nine times out of 10. So I give them that. And one of the ways you can tangibly do that is by using distortion tastefully, colored tastefully, because it is literally adding new content. Um, now, sometimes, of course, you add too much, it gets dense, you can get floppy, you can lose the punch and impact. So it's a balance, but overall, I have rarely ever had anyone say, hey, sounds like it got too full. <laughs> it's too big now. Um, once, once a year, maybe, someone will say, hey, it just feels like too dense, too big, too wall of sound. But overall, people want that. And you kind of need that because people are playing stuff out of small speakers a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's a delicate balance, of course, of not overloading a small speaker. But the more you can kind of compact in that mid-range, the more full and loud it usually comes out of an iPhone or earbuds or a laptop speaker, even in a car. You know, it's that mid-range people talk about. Super important. And it is. Um because if you've got a really clean, pristine kind of recording, it can just kind of sound thin on those speakers. And um, people don't like that. You don't want it to sound like shrill and, and thin. You need it to sound big and full. <laughs> I totally didn't think you were going to say shrill right there. I thought you were going in another direction with that word. Got him. <laughs> uh, got him. So those are my opening remarks. What about you, Matt? I'm recovering from that. Um, <laughs> a hurricane has come through. It's destroyed all your gear, but your helo. I have a part two to my question. Oh, I'll keep talking. Ask me more questions. I know you will. <laughs> but this is like, it, it's leading you up. But after this question, I'll go. Okay, great. Well, is there anything you would get that is not, this is not question two. <laughs> This is like question one, section B. Yeah. Is there any piece of gear that you would get that you don't currently have as your piece one? Oh, what a good question. I know. You're great at questions. I know. Um, money's not an option. Right, 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 right. I would maybe, I mean, the first thing that came to my head, which is what I should say, is I still haven't tried out that API tube stuff. <laughs> I'm just curious oh, yeah. about that. But I have no idea what that sounds like. I would definitely go something tube. But I know I just said Better Maker, Mastering Limiter, which is not tube. But I would go tube, and I would go EQ tube. Like Poltex, like a, like a pair of tube Poltex. I might do that. All right. Because those are freaking coloring and lush. So, okay. So here is my second question. Yeah. So that was just one B. Just like just like a little bit of a curiosity. The so, essay, ex, uh, essay section. What would, what would your first piece be? You said the Better Maker Limiter. And this is leading into a, a conversation that we're going to have later this episode. What would your second piece be? Massive, passive. Okay. Thousand percent. Why? 
see the change the world with it. Just like gives you Superman's cape. <laughs> yeah, Kryptonite can't even touch you. So You're Sam Moses. Good. Just listen to the Mass Passive episode. But <laughs> the EQ is unmatched. It sounds so good. I do know like two people that absolutely hate it who are really big master engineers that I'm friends <laughs> with who just think it's the worst EQ out there um, for a couple of reasons. But I disagree with them and they know that. Um, it's it's their prerogative to be yeah. wrong. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. That's what I tell. Um, ah, it, just, it just saves so many songs. Not that the songs mm-hmm. are bad, but what the client expresses in the references they give, I'm often like, hmm, we need to go from like one to ten, or like mm. sorry, not one to ten. That's too drastic. Songs at a seven, we need to get it to a ten. And the massive passive can can upgrade you multiple levels beyond what most EQs can do. And I think that everyone needs to own one. You've got to own one at some point in your career. You owe it to yourself to try it out. I know it's expensive. But you're only here once on this earth, and you've got to try it. You've got to try it out. If you don't like it, sell it. Even if you buy it and you're like, can't afford it, sell it. It'll go up in value. They're going up in value still. Um, but yeah. I was talking to I was talking to my marketing guy before you and I hopped on the call. And he's he's remote, but he comes into town once a month. And it's always just really nice to catch up with him in person. And we were just kind of talking about calendars. And I guess he has, we were talking about Kickstarters, and he said that he backed this clock hmm. that, like, is a one-year clock. Yeah. And he's like, you, like, literally have to put a piece of tape on the wall to, like, kind of see, like, when this clock is moving. And so you come back two weeks later, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, like, like a half inch, you know, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> like, forward, and then where it was. And he's like, yep, New Year's Day. It's like, it's right back on the top. I was like, oh, well, that's nice. But then I brought up the whole thing that I saw that there was this, calendar that was a light a hundred year calendar and each and it was like all these little bubbles and you had to fill in the bubbles for when like you've been alive Mm -hmm. and then you see all and it's like how many weeks you have yeah as like a human and one and like like a 100 year span and so every week you're filling in that bubble and you're seeing how many weeks you have left and that's how and you don't want to fill in that last bubble and not have tried the massive passive. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yes. You owe it to yourself to give it a try. Yeah, and try it sooner than later. Yeah, your, your hearing is going to go when you get older. Right. You're not going to be able to enjoy it. It's not right. going to be as like euphoric. Right. Anyway, my turn. <laughs> your turn, go. My first piece of gear um, would be a massive passive. Mm-hmm. I had all of that queued up before I even talked to you, before I even asked you any of your questions. My first piece of gear would be a massive passive. I was doing it all over again. Um, I can do all the solid state, all the clean stuff I can in the box. Um, but I can't do what the massive passive does in the box. Yep. And per the massive passive episode, shout out massive passive episode. <laughs> I would get, I think I would get a mixed version. I don't think I get a mastering version. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I also think I would buy it brand new. I don't think I would buy it used. Um, I want to try that like little push button with like the clean, with the new power supply and everything. I, mm-hmm. I hear like in blind tests that people are able to hear a difference. And yeah. I was like, well, I want to try it, darn it. <laughs> 
So I do, I do want to give it a shot. So massive passive would be my number one. Number two is kind of, uh, kind of weird. I don't think, and I don't know. Like I was kind of looking at my rig, and I was like, man, I don't know if I'd want to have like a master bus processor or whatnot. I still think it was a great first buy. I think it was like the best first buy I could have done with the cash I had because not mm-hmm. everyone has like the cash for massive passive. The manly very mew. Um, was just beat out in my um, in this race of what would be my second buy. I love the very mu. I love how it sounds. I love all the pain in the butt that it saves me. <laughs> but my number two would have to be the Maslick MPL two, and just like kind of how clean it is. How um, I hate the letter S, man. And I think it just gets you just to a nicer S level. And it just tones that sibilance down just to something uber tasty. And this is all taken into consideration that I'm only going to use the Hilo for conversion. Because if I wasn't, my number two piece I might buy would be the Head Quantum again. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that converter. But if the two pieces of gear, like as far as like processing, massive passive, and then MPL2. And so that's my whole thing. If I could get any second piece that I don't know, I don't know. I've always wanted to hear a Sontech, the 432. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to hear one. And like hearing like those stories that like Bob Ludwig and like his guy that, that like also does stuff at, uh, what, what's his gateway mastering? Yep. He's up in Maine, isn't he? he uh, Maryland, yeah. Is it Maryland? I thought, I think it, I thought it was Maine. I mean, it's Maine. It's up there. Anyway, yeah, Mar- Maryland and Maine are very far apart. <laughs> um, they were saying that like they were doing some Rolling Stones remasters, and he was just dialing up on like a modern, like really clean EQ, which I think was the, the MEA2, the Maslick. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he was not able... To like, he he just couldn't get everything to kind of have the same vibe, and oh, I hate the sentence. He said he pulled the their like Sontech out of the closet, which is in the freaking <laughs> closet, and uh, just put that on. And he's like, I dialed it up, and he's like, that was immediately the tone. It's like, damn it, I want to try that. <laughs> and I apparently, that. the Maslick MEA two is, um, it was like kind of modeled. Um, after the Sontech. And yeah. it's like, I love everything this little EQ does. But I think it'd be kind of fun to have one one day. That might be my number, my, my like, my dream number two. But mm-hmm. anyway, Massive Passive, uh, Massive like MPL2, High Frequency Limiter. I think uh, I'm going to lock it in, final answer, Regis Philbin. Anywho. Okay. So all this to say, you have a rule of two that you're kind of sussing on and yes, thinking and mentally churning. I can hear the gears turning. They're well lubricated gears. It, it seems like something that that uh, has some steam. Let's hear about this rule of two. <laughs> My rule of two, trademark, copyright, pending, patent pending. Hashtag. Um, hashtag. At me, bro. Um, my rule go. of two is basically over my years of working on songs, I've tried to figure out what it is that I do and approach. And my rule of two is like 
Find e- find two EQs you like, find two limiters you like, and start there. Find two great things about the song and find it. Draw attention to it. For me, the rule of two usually starts with finding the vocal and then some sort of bottom energy. Mm. That is my rule of two. I'll say it again. Two EQs, <laughs> two limiters that you like. Two great things about the song, find it and draw attention to there. Normally it's a vocal thing and then usually a bottom energy thing. If you focus on the rule of two in your mastering, a lot of people always ask me, how do I start? What should I focus on? Just like talking about gear, what do you buy first? Rule of two, keep it simple, stupid, K-I-S-S. Rule of two, find two EQs you like, could be clean and colored. Find two limiters or two compressors you like, could be you know, a limiter and a compressor or a compressor to have some ratio options. Could be a limiter that's just like a brick wall that you can't adjust anything. Like a little clipper? Yeah, or a clipper. Find two things that help make things more loud more often. Find two EQs that help you shape the tonal balance. And then find two things within the song that you think are awesome. And focus on those two things that are awesome by using the other two things two EQs, two limiters. And that is what I would start. Then there's a little like side tangent, which is you must make the course smash. (laughs) Otherwise it sucks. And you must make the first 10 seconds. Another rule of two. Course must smash. The first 10 seconds must be awesome. Y'all taking notes? This is 10 years of mastering summarized. (laughs) Course must smash. Song, first 10 seconds must start great. Two things. So those are my rules of two. That is... Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like, there are things that, like, do have their... There are things that, like, do have their limits. Like, you might not be able to smash a chorus anymore. If you're, like, the mix that you're getting is, like, V11, it's like, I think you're going to get about as much out of that as possible. And it could already be like smashed to death. I guess when I say smash, I want to clarify that you, not necessarily compression. It just has, the chorus sure. has to hit. And that doesn't always mean it has to be compressed. It's got to be epic. The, but the chorus has to be bigger than the verses. It has to be in the pre-chorus. Are you doing it with like volume, with width, with I just automation? always set my gain stage based off the chorus. So mm. the chorus is where I start on every song. I guess I would definitely say that if I like, I'll I'll give every song a full listen through, and I'll start to kind of see where we are. But I'll definitely be working more in the chorus area, yeah, and then cater the song to that because it's like this is the crescendo. Right. This is this is what everybody is here for. This is what like all the promo, all the everything is going to be leading everything up to is this moment right here. Right. And so it's like, it's got to, it's, it, it is the cell. Right. And so it has to... The payoff, yeah. It has to be, it has to be delivering right. every time. That's why, like, I make most my EQs, my rules of two all almost surround the chorus. Mm. So I'll make the chorus sound spectacular. Nine times out of ten, the verses sound great too. But sometimes you got to do some automation or you split the song up. Sure. Um... Which for those people that are out there, that's not uncommon. Like, especially a lot of a couple of the top guys that I'm good friends with, they split songs up all the time from verse to chorus on two different tracks um, to make them both sound terrific. But a lot of times, 
Like you have just like a different like plug-in chain? Yeah, they just have a different chain or they'll even hit gear differently mm. and then just splice them together at the end. Do so, you do that often? I don't, I don't do it that often. I find something that works in the chorus and nine times out of ten, it makes the verse sound terrific. Um, Anytime I've ever like done something like that, it's too... I don't know. I know that I did it and... I love the things that I mastered. So like I go back and I listen to it. Yeah. And like when it's released, I go back and listen to it and I'm going to be like, man, I totally hear that. Right. Even though like no one else is going to hear it, I'm going to totally hear it. And so I I know I can't get away. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to have an an I'm going to have anything that I need pre-processing, I'm going to have an analog print and I'm like, ah, that first like that intro to like first verse is like too low in the song and we need to do something about that yeah. and so it's like I'll figure it out but it'll be like by automation and if I can't figure it out then it's got to be split up but then it's like anytime like you're splicing stuff like that it's like you got to have your like volume transitions like so on point yep and so close that it's just I don't know. It's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a risky thing. I understand it. I normally don't dabble in that too too much. Yeah, I hundred percent see why. I don't do it a ton just because I feel like it's a gamble as well. So with stuff feeling epic, are you like doing? Are you doing like stereo width enhancement? Like like what are you like what are you doing? Or just like making stuff like automating stuff louder? What are you doing to make that? Usually, I don't do a ton of. I mean, I say I don't do a ton of imaging, but. Anything I change changes the image. So if I boost top end, the song gets wider. Let's I, talk in a very literal sense, though. Yeah, I do it's not like, sure anything. Nine times, well, what's more than nine times? Nine point five times out like of ten. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> I am not using any stereo imaging tools, like ever. Um, mm. I just don't feel like I need to. Like I, I just don't mess with midside that much. Mm-hmm. Usually what I'm doing is just, once again, it's the rule of two. I'll make sure in the chorus that the vocal is just a star. It's got to mm-hmm. be a star. And then I make sure that usually the bottom end, it's usually the bottom end, but it's whatever is the percussive energy driver. Usually it's kick drum or something. Sometimes it's not like fully subby kick drum. Maybe it's something higher, like a farty 808 or something. And I make sure that is then usually boosted and cutting through. Now, this is where I would potentially, if I was to get into midside, not necessarily image, but I would go into the mono section. And depending on what the song sounds like, just focus on the rule of two within the mono section and not touch the sides. And I would use like the Brainworks EQ for that. Mm -hmm. That's that's probably oh that big old monster yeah that's like my the V two that's my favorite midside thing to use Ugh. that would be that's what I go to if I'm doing midside I don't I don't really use like spreaders or imagers um, like isotope I, I know people like, I know people love that thing I just, yeah I mean it's, there's it's a lot so of people much. who are way further along in their career that still that use isotope imager on like everything. Um, oh no! I was talking about uh, oh. that brainworks. Oh yeah, that, that, that there is so much stuff going on in that darn EQ. <laughs> just like man, right? That's why I do the rule too. I just pick two things. Um, There's so much that like 
at, at some point, like I, it's not that I get confused, but it's like, I'm going to forget something. I'm only going to do something in one place. And it's like, you got like all those imagers at the bottom, not imagers, yeah. but like, like it, you it also see has the curve the, is it has DSers too on it. It does. And I don't touch that. And none of it's bad. It's all pretty good. It's like yeah. kind of like a one-stop shop. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I just focus on making sure that vocal sounds terrific. And then making sure the percussive energy driver sounds terrific. Now, sometimes in like rock indie stuff, it's the guitars in the choruses more than the kick drum. So, like, if the guitars are just like wall of sound, hard pan left, right, and something's up the center <laughs> with it supporting the vocal, the guitars mm-hmm. are the energy. They're more, you know, more than a kick drum like hitting every couple beats. Sure. So, if you just hit her to pop, I just punched my hand as a kick drum. <laughs> so stupid. But anyway, then I'll make then like you got the point across. Though. I'll make the guitars feel huge in the choruses, like even bigger and I'll say ballsier. Um and make sure the vocal is still poking through there. So that's what I focus on. I mean, that's it's <clears throat> a big part of my sound is like this idea of rule of two. And I just kind of came up with this. I not came up with it. Well, I did come up with a rule too. Just I've been looking over kind of like the first part of my career and people ask how I do what I do more often and trying to figure out how can I make what I do more tangible because we need more great master engineers, in my opinion. Um, people who really want to commit to it, not like side side gig stuff. Because you just can't, I just can't, I, I don't think you can become great at mastering by doing it on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have to be committed. Although I don't want to say that because I don't want to say you do it on the side, but you're like committed. Let me take that back. Effort. Your effort cannot be a side effort when you're doing it. <laughs> How about that? It's the, the time. The length of time is kind of irrelevant. I mean, I'm definitely trying to whole ass two things, right, and, as right. opposed to like what Ron Swanson says not. Yeah, to but your whole your whole assing a lighting company and mastering. You're not like doing production, songwriting, marketing, and then yeah. I mean, today's totally going to be a 14 hour day by the time by the time I get home, and then dad life, and then yeah, all the other stuff that's going on. It's a long day for sure. If you're just doing mastering to try and like save some time and money, I would just just don't do it. It's just not. You're not doing what you think you're doing. (laughs) You're not saving time because it's not going to sound as good as it can and. You're probably not saving money because it's not going to compete and sound as good as it can, so it's not going to create a return client. Well, you're just going to try to make a loud master. And it's like, if you want to make a loud master, sure, go ahead and do that. Just turn the volume up. But it's like, I don't know. It's like, tell me one time that the loudest song was like the number one played song. Never, ever. And so you're just like, I don't know. I'm not saying that you can't do it, but... And it's like we're we are living in a world that is definitely empowering people to um make stuff that is quote unquote mastered. Right. And I guess that's kind of in the eye of the beer holder. Um but not beer. Yeah, don't let me beer. stop. Anyway. Don't let me stop you out there. If you just wanna have fun with mastering, go for it. But I just I'd say just run into so many people who get frustrated and they come to me or and they're like, How do I make it sound like yours? And I'm like I don't. You got to put in put in the work, you know, the experience. Well, it's like no, you got to be you. It's like that's what you do is you make your you make those masters like 
awesome. Right. And you yeah. make them sound like Sam Moses master them. It's the right. exact same as when Matt Garber masters it. Correct. And we master very differently. Right. We really should do that, like, episode where we master stuff and then just... I don't know. Like already released stuff. Yeah, we'll do that. We're gonna do that. I, for I, sure. w- w- that is that's a good episode. Yeah. In our little shared note, we need to write that down. Writing it now. I actually think the first year we had that idea. And as like stuff goes on, like we'll do like one or two little shootouts a year about like, hey, what would you do differently here? Or like we'll be in a shootout and then we'll like realize we're both in the same shootout because we'll talk about clients and we'll be like, Oh wait, we got the same client. <laughs> Oh wait, this is a shootout, <laughs> and then, uh, but then we'll compare each other's masters. Yeah, and it is very amusing how different we interpret music. Yes, it is. It's fun, and it's funny because listening to what you did, I one hundred percent. I'm like, I would never do that. And I probably will not change anything I do to make it sound like that. Right. But that's not at all saying that your master is bad. It's a right. fantastic master. Yep. But it's just like a very interesting take on things. And it's it's crazy, like, as far as, like, mastering goes and, like, like the 10 or so percent, it's crazy how different that 10% can be. Yes. When volume is like all level matched and everything. Yeah. It's crazy how different it all can be and what all like we all focus on and what all we think matters and what all like we're going and shooting for. We need to do this as an episode. I think that would be really fun. I got fun. it written down. I don't know how the heck we're going to do it, but I'm looking forward to we'll it. We'll figure it out. As far as like, I guess I'll talk about like kind of. I don't know if I necessarily have a rule of two. I yeah. I like it. I think it's fun, and I think it'd be fun to kind of revise and keep on going, like with this idea, right? Because it's 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 nice in 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 the sentiment that it doesn't really take a lot to make a fantastic chain for a fantastic master. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I do, and it's like the. Also, doesn't take a lot to necessarily like. You need to focus on a lot, but it's like these are the things that I personally focus on, and it's like X, Y, and Z. It's like I want the low end, and I want that vocal. And I also know that you don't do a terribly uh, like large amount post process, post processing, post print. Correct. And so, like you're you're setting a limiter, and that's kind of it. Yeah, usually. And it's it's. I don't know, and it's also like something that I just like love about like our how different our workflows are, because my I think I said this in the beginning is I'll normally do any pre processing of like the pre processing is this is how I want this gear to hit this is how I want this song to hit the gear and so it's not normally really anything um, unless there's a cer- certain vibe that's going for something's like way too dynamic or something needs controlled. Um, and if a vocal is coming in too hot, sometimes I'll go into that mastery balance and I'll actually bring it down hmm. to write about the level of the song so it's not as dynamic and it's not really peaking any compressor. It's it's not any more than like the rest of the song will and it's just kind of like pillowed in, in the mix. I'll master it like that. And so I'm working out any crazy dynamics without pinning um, a compressor without like 
I mean, you know, analog gear and analog gear can get a little bit farty and it can yeah. have like its weird little swings and whatnot. And then when I'm back in the, um, on the post side of the print, I'll bring up a second version of mastery balance. And I'm like, okay, now that we pretty much have a vocal that's pretty well leveled and very like maintained and the level. So it's like, the vocal will be smashed in a way for me that is at a different rate than the rest of the song. Mm-hmm. And I don't really don't want to lose any of that energy of the vocal. I just want it to be less peaky. Yeah. And so that's why I'll turn it down pre-print because I am going to be hitting um, the output of the Crane Song head pretty darn significantly. And... So when stuff is a little bit more squashed, okay, now we're not as dynamic with that vocal, and but we still got all that meat and energy and everything there, but it's now at pretty much like a general level for the tune, and now we're going to bring it back up, and now we can really bring it forward, and it's not all peaky and dynamic and kind of crazy and out there. And so that's not anything that I'm necessarily foreign to. Um, as far as low end and whatnot, I'll normally let that fly through the whole darn thing unless it's really crazy. Um, but, I mean, I'm also on the same line as you of, you know, like, boost your problems away. Um, I don't know the last time I'm really going around and cutting stuff. Um, I will say I normally don't use the imager and isotope either. But for the last three days, I have used it, and it's kind of helped, and it's kind of been nice. Um, I did like a bunch of in the box stuff, and it needed to have a little bit more depth to it. Had needed to have a little bit more movement to what was going on, and some stuff that was moving was like a little bit stuck in where it was, and so sometimes that's just the tool that moves stuff around. I'd have to think of my like rule of two and like all the stuff that I'm necessarily going for. I, I would definitely say like the vocal and it's like, yeah, it's like the low end and it's like, yeah, it's the groove of the song. Sure. But I, I think with me, it's like, I don't really, I might be on the opposite end of the spectrum in that like, while I do do stuff with the low end, if the top end is just like crippling me, it's like, I got to do something about that, yeah. which is funny because that leans into the beginning of this episode and my two pieces, one of my two pieces being that MPL2, that peak uh, and high frequency limiter yeah, by Maslick. And so that's that's kind of interesting. Um, so anyway, I don't know. I thought that was a kind of cool sentiment. So I don't know. I really don't know where this episode goes from here. <laughs> well... I'm kind of at the end of my list at like minute 40. Look at that. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? Would you look Did at you that? Did you want to talk about anything else? Because we initially started with color. Color, yeah. Well, color, I mean, I could talk about color all day. Color is distortion to I me. Actually do, I actually do want to talk about something because you said... Yeah. You said you normally don't dabble too much in MS except for like that BX. Yeah thing let um, me let me say i i have dabbled heavily in ms i just don't. yeah but you know you say you normally right don't, though but i am like extremely familiar with sure. all ms options out there pretty much continue sure yeah okay um 
So I don't really do too terribly much. Excuse me. That was gross. That was a gross burp. I apologize if you were listening loudly. But if you were to do like, as far as stuff like adjusting the image and whatnot, if you were to put put like a stereo piece that's capable into dual mono, like you do, like, do you want this to be like the channels linked or do you want them to be separate? Yeah. I'll normally always do separate or something like that, but something I almost always do, I don't always dial anything in, Mm -hmm. but for some reason through the backbone, if I pop it into MS mode and I run it through um, the Maslick, the MEA2, Mm -hmm. that EQ just does something just magically 3D. (laughs) In MS, and I don't know what it is, but it's like if you ever just needed like a little bit of sizzle to something, and it's like on the edge of like, does it need it? Does it not need it? And then you just kind of like turn it up to like, I don't know, 14 or like 12K or something, and you just do like 0.5 dB boot, like shelf or maybe like 1 dB just on the sides on the right channel, which is like mid, mid would be the left, right would be the side. It's just. It's just gorgeous. And so it's like if I do anything, it'll be there. It'll also be on that stereo field editor on the Neve, which just gives like a nice little Mm. pop of depth. But besides that, I don't think I do too much. I I do remember I wanted to add that. Yeah. So anyway, I'll let you proceed. Uh, I mean, my Better Maker Mastering Limiter has mid-side on it, and sometimes I will boost the sides. If I ever like, you can like limit the sides over the uh-huh. mid. Yeah. Whoa. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. And sounds, it's kind of is fun. it like super destructive? Uh, can be. Yeah. Definitely. But not really. Like point uh, two dB. You know, something like that can make it just feel like a hug. Oh, that's nice. Um. So sometimes I'll do that. Not. Not never. Sometimes. Um. Shifting to color. I guess color for me is like distortion, like I was saying earlier. Color is, um, I think people associate it with analog, but really it's usually like a fattener to me, which mm-hmm. I think we talked about before, like Oxford inflator to me is very coloring. The Oxford limiter enhance knob is very coloring. Um, the SSL X saturator, I think it is. Is very coloring and something I'll go to sometimes. These are all plugins. Are you normally using color? Or, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> plugins for color? Um, sometimes, yeah. I mean, the Oxford stuff I ride or die with. Like <laughs> the that, inflator is my ride or die. Yeah, like that has that been was that, that was that answer to the question of the what's your favorite button? Yes. It's the engage knob on yeah. the inflator. And putting the inflator on split band, I think, is is key. Um. But I have used the Oxford stuff since literal day one of working on audio because the guy I first (laughs) learned from used it on everything. And it still is so freaking good. And (laughs) there's no hardware piece that can do what it does. Um, But yeah, I like, yeah, I guess I like, I like plugins for color a lot because I feel like I can. I like to have control, really. So, like, plugins often give me more precise control. Whereas hardware is kind of like meat and potatoes. Like, you don't always get 
to pick, except on the Better Maker, which is why I like it. You can pick your frequency, the drive, and the blend. Mm-hmm. But on most analog gear, you're kind of making like broad strokes. There's almost like compromise in theory. It's, it might be the wrong word. It sounds bad, but with plugins, a lot of the plugins you can really, you know, fourteen point two percent dial it in, and jeez, you know, that's like one of my favorite settings on the Oxford Inflator, fourteen point two pushes everything forward, especially in guitars and rock songs. Pro tip right there. Um, Split band mode. Got to have split band mode on. Um, but yeah, it's... What about the clipper? Do you always use the clipper on it? No, I don't clip. I don't use the clipper. Mm. I'm not clipping anything in either of those plugins. They're getting hit very low volume, like negative 10. Dude, I spanked that plug in. Yeah. I don't spank either of them. The clipper might not be on, but yeah. it's getting spanked either way. Um, but yeah, I like... If a red light's not on, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't love red lights. Um, I don't push things very hard, but I make loud oh, masters. I I, well, the meter goes up that high. You might as right. well use it. Like I paid for the LEDs on the damn meter. I might as well use them. I just find stuff gets even plugins and hardware like pushed hard. They just start getting s- small to me. It sounds compressed unnaturally, but that's my personal opinion. That's why I keep. Are you everything. getting stuff pretty darn loud normally? Uh, like mixes? Yeah, mixes are usually loud. <laughs> Um, mixes are usually that. mixes are usually within like two to three dB of where they need to be, so there's not oh, okay not a ton of heavy lifting. But on a dynamic song too, like I'm not going to smash the heck out of it, so it's within a couple dB still of where it should be. But I'm like eight to like twelve plus of where I need to be. I got a lot of room to make up. Yeah, that's a lot. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'll get like rock songs from a few people and they'll be, I kid you not, they'll be in the, the like minus 30 range. Yeah. RMS. That's wild. And so it's like, I, it's like, I, it's like, man, hope your, hope your noise floor is under control because right. buckle up. Yeah. I don't get anything like that. Um, but yeah, color, color is great. If you get into like multi band color, we've talked about Saturn or even um, Brainworks has a saturator that you can pick uh, mid-side on. But once again, it's like finding... I like to color the rule of two. I like to color the vocal and the bottom end or the percussive energy element in the song. Multi-band color. Yo, that... that uh, I, I do have an addition to what I would get if, uh, if I got wiped out. <laughs> I've always wanted to try that Tube Tech multi-band. Oh, yeah. That like little Dr. Mix video where that guy's yeah. like dialing it up. I've, it's got that like crazy like cinematic thing. It's just like, oh my gosh. I've used yeah, them goosebumps. Listen to that. quite quite a bit when I was here starting before I had kind of my own space. And Is it any good? Yeah, they're freaking sweet. I mean, that's why I have a TubeTech LCA2B. It's not a multi-band, but it's a similar component with the limiter compressor. I feel like that's if like... Every time like I look at an analog multi-band though, I'm always like... I never really need to heavily remix somebody's stuff. Right. And if I do, the massive passing can get me there in a lot more graceful of a way than like a tube compressor. Right. That's kind of like the unfortunate thing about like a multiband, like tube tech is you can have a lot of fun, I'll say, with it <laughs> and make the song <laughs> change so drastically to where it sounds awesome. 
still, maybe even better in your mind, but the client will be like, we got too far from the mix. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's too disorienting. And that's like one of the big things with color. You cannot disorient the client with what you're doing. Mm. Like that's the quickest way to lose a client, you know, get revisions is even if you're making it cooler, bigger, louder, you know, if if you do too much coloring, it just sounds too different. And then they assume something went wrong, usually. Um, it's just unfamiliar. And most of the time, people have spent a lot of time trying to get the mix. If, if you're friends with mixers, you know mixers are usually getting like 50 notes, like revision notes that are like, you know, 0.1 on 1K, blah, blah, blah here. So you, So I'm always considerate of like, I know there's probably been five revisions on this mix and each revision had 10 notes at least just because I used to mix a lot too. And that's not even the sign of a bad mixer. Like top, top mixers just get, you just do a lot of revisions because there's a lot to mess with. Um, so I try to be mindful of that because, you know, they've spent a lot of time on the mix, dialing it in, getting it approved, getting it across the finish line to mastering is usually like, a task in itself for the team. And this is, once again, like all great people good at their jobs. Nobody's bad. It just takes a while, usually. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the higher up, too, it takes more because people know how to communicate better. They're aware of what's possible so they can <clears throat> speak into it a bit more. It's almost like, you know, enough to be dangerous situation. Um, so then when I get it, I try and make sure that I'm respecting that and not disorienting the client with color, too much color, even though it may sound you know, more energetic, bigger, louder, you've got to learn to have that balance. Otherwise, color is destructive. It can be destructive. Distortion is destructive. Coloring can be destructive. And if you don't stay within the lines, color by number, your picture (laughs) is going to look goofy. And nobody wants that. So that's my, nobody wants that. That's my ramble on color. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all like just like just to kind of put like a like a bookend on it, just because we're kind of yeah bookend this. nearing our time when we need to cut off. I'm just keeping an eye on it. Um, Thank you. Um, it's the you know the whole adage like everything in moderation, right? And it's like I as much as I love the inflator, I hate talking about it because. Like more and more people who I work with are like, dude, I started using it because of the podcast. And they're like, don't use it because <laughs> I want to use it. And you already got that vibe on there. Now I can't use it, but I'm going to use it because I really like it. <laughs> and I like what it does. And so, um, no, I don't use it every time. But I normally do use it every time, but I don't use it every time. But I do like using it every time. That's how but, I am. Like I said, I don't use it every time, every, but I use it every time. <laughs> I have I have a complex, but. Um, everything in moderation, um, just, I mean, not everything needs a saturator, not everything needs color, not everything needs tube or analog vibe or even emulations of tube or analog vibe. Um, you're a mastering engineer. Use your best judgment. I mean, that's what people hire you for. Um, I also feel like whenever you're doing like a quick AB to like make sure that it's a quick AB, and it's like, A, B, do I like it or not? Yes or no? And then it's like, you make a decision, you move on. The client's never going to know that was a decision you made. And you don't need to let that bother you. It's like, do I like it? Yes or no? 
Yes, no, yes, no. Okay, yeah. No, we don't like it. Okay, move on. And uh, if it's a plugin, you can always leave it there. You can make a note if you're in Logic or whatever. If you have a little notepad, you can always make a note. Hey, I used this. It made something sound too pumpy, too like, wah. And I don't know how you write that out. <laughs> but if the client wants that, this you just engage this, and then that's kind of like right there, and you're ready to go. Um, anywho. Yeah, everything in moderation. So, color and mastering, Sam's little rule of two, a little bit of a doomsday scenario there. I really hope we don't have any hurricanes or tornadoes. That would suck deluxe. Anyhow. <laughs> suck deluxe. All right. I think... That sniped me. I think it's about it. I feel <laughs> Kind of like the one earlier for me, yeah. <gasps> I feel like that is about it. Um, yeah. It also kind of felt just more like a like a chilled out conversation, like we're both on couches. Yeah, it, we kind of uh, dialogued a little bit. This was like this is this is what it would be like. Maybe in like post, we can be like, should we do this more? Or should we just go back to monologues? The whole audience is like, man, Matt kept interrupting Sam. Go back to monologues. I just skipped through what Matt said, but he was talking the whole time too. So, anywho, if you like what we said. You can go over to iTunes, give us some stars, some likes, share us on Facebook, on Instagram. That would be awesome. Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For the Record Mastering. If you'd like that engin- a mastering engineer, we would love to be that for you. Um, oh, yeah. There is a sweet beat in the background made by Mr. Moses. If you wouldn't mind. That's just- me giving them some love, saying thank you so much for putting these episodes together and doing such a great job and all the little sound effects and all the little crazy things that you do that make this podcast so awesome. So awesome. Holy Awesome moly. blossom, extra awesome. You know what? I think you nailed it on the head. Whatever y'all are having, <laughs> morning, afternoon, evening, have a darn good one. Bye. See y'all later. End of that abruptly. <laughs> There was like a Jetsons laser beam, like it just went on forever. Like shut on another, 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 like